Welcome into the CP43 podcast, Christian Pentagos and Jack Bergamini. We are in quarantine on Zoom once again. How are you doing today, Jack? Doing good today, CP. And today we're going to talk about primarily The Last Dance, which has premiered premiered last weekend, last night, Sunday night. Episodes three and four actually came out, which were really great, in my opinion. They really dove into um, Dennis Rodman and his whole stint with the Bulls and Phil Jackson. Like one of the people, I guess one of the guys everyone kind of overlooks. They always talk about more MJ, Scotty, Dennis. Everyone kind of forgets about the coach, you know? Yeah, that's the one thing. I feel like to understand Michael Jordan, you have to understand everything around him. It's not just him, what makes him Michael Jordan. Which, I that thought is was, which is a big part, like you said, Phil Jackson, Dennis Rodman. It's just the one thing I like about this documentary as a piece, it does a good job of connecting everybody back to the center. Where like it can you could be not talking about Michael Jordan for like five minutes at a time, but it still just completely works right back in. Like ESPN did an amazing job so far of producing it and making it a worthwhile watch. Totally. Like think about how many people they had to travel and interview for this for the this doc because they had they went they talked to all the other players on the team, other players in the league at the time, like sports writers, just to get everyone's like so the audience can really just understand the view of Michael Jordan at that time. It was interesting was because they had a range of random sports writers that we've never heard of to Obama mm-hmm. and Bill Clinton as yes. guests on the show. So Michael Jordan really impacted everybody in some way or another. Yeah, it was. It seemed like he was just really a huge phenomenon during that time, and everyone had an opinion on him. Everyone was connected to him in some way. Everyone had watched him play, even if you weren't a basketball fan, which is how the stock is so huge and how why it's been so popular. Yeah, and I didn't realize this, that how big of a celebrity he was, like you just said. Like, mm-hmm. I knew that LeBron's obviously a big celebrity, but when I talk about Michael Jordan, I think more of the basketball player. Like, he was an actual celebrity at that time. Like, it seems like he time. was – He was he the was first pro- big one, you could say. Yeah, uh, just what I was about to say. He was probably the first athlete who was more than an athlete. Maybe him and Muhammad Ali, I was yeah. thinking. Because maybe Muhammad Ali was the first, but Michael Jordan, like, really did – really, like, brought that – upon himself just be more than that he obviously did space jam a bunch of other things and that just really broadened everyone's view on him everyone knew michael jordan and it's crazy how big he was at the time yeah and still he has a huge impact on the world today with his brand of course even though he's not he's kind of like hidden in the public eye now i would say like you don't really see him make appearances that's true but he's he's behind the scenes a lot yeah, like, brand, obviously, yeah, the Jordan brand. Is he was huge. behind getting Zion, I heard, mm-hmm. and signing with them. He owns the Charlotte Hornets, even though yep. they're not a great team. He's still the owner making daily decisions, and he's one of the top – he's one of the most respected owners in the league. Like, he's involved in every meeting, whether it's the Charles Oakley incident with the Knicks a couple of years ago, whether it's mm-hmm. reopening the, the, the country, he's involved in that. So it's all very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the main points of the stock that everyone's been talking about, I honestly can't believe – that how people let this happen is how Jerry Krause, the general manager at the time, was so intent on breaking this team up that was so good and had won three straight championships, six championships in the last eight years, just wanted to break them up, didn't want Phil Jackson back, wanted none of it. What, how, how can this happen? I don't know how that could happen. I remember in the documentary last night, he said that he would not have Michael Jordan on the team if, if it meant not having Phil Jackson. How, mm-hmm. how can you be an executive or any person involved in basketball and think that? that well, was, Michael Jordan wouldn't come back if Phil wasn't there. Yeah, but he was willing to have that, though. I, I know. Jerry Krause in the headline said, if Michael's not willing 
to wait for the Bulls that Phil Jackson, he'll just have to go somewhere else. To me, that's just – I don't know how you can say that. I think Jerry Krause just wanted – he just wanted the credit. I mean, that's just what it seems from what the doc is saying, what really just happened at the time. He wanted the credit. He was done with Michael Jordan. He was done with Scottie Pippen. He didn't want to pay Scottie more money, I guess. He, he was done with Phil, even though Phil was – one of the reasons this team was able to have so much, so much success. And I just can't imagine if this happened in today's game. Like I saw Steve Kerr talking about it. This would have been like if they broke up that Warriors team after the 73-win season. It would have yeah. been like that, which is ridiculous. How can you do How can you just have so much success and want to break them up? It's, it's honestly... Well, the, the crazy thing is with dynasties like today, like the Heat and the Warriors, like players broke up the dynasty... Mm-hmm. But having an executive wanting to break up a dynasty, that's exactly. never going to happen. Usually the, the executives are begging the players to stay. Like Pat Riley was begging LeBron to stay. He did not want LeBron to leave. Same with Bob Myers with the Warriors. He was begging. Exactly. Why would they want their star you, players to leave? It's just if, more money and more championships. If Jerry Krause or an executive did that in the league today, they'd be out of a job forever, pretty much. Yeah, well, it seems like back then, like these owners and just like the public eye, they had so much more like – like respect or, and just like they, I don't know, like GM just had more power. It seems like yeah, that's a good GMs point. today are so expensive. You could fi- GMs will get fired. Head coaches will stay. Head coaches will stay. GMs will get fired. I mean, just like, it really seemed like GMs were just such a different level than head coaches at the time. Yeah. That's a big point. Well, one thing talk about Jerry Krause, not just his incompetence in, in some areas of wanting credit, but he really had an eye for talent. He was able he did, to find yeah. Scottie Pippen out of Central Arkansas, not even a NCAA school, an NAI school. Uh, he was able to find that uh, they needed Horace Grant. He was able to get rid of Charles Oakley. Um, he could he found the piece that they were missing in Dennis Rodman with the Bulls. Like he really assembled the team in just the right in just the right way. He got Ron Harper. Like he saw that the Detroit Pistons back then were the team that needed to get to get um over the hump and he just brought all those players over to the bulls which i think and they fit which in my opinion is just one of the underrated parts of something that he was able to do i do give him credit but that he was able to assemble this team but again michael jordan did he, michael jordan was coming to the bulls either way that was an easy pick oh yeah michael but jordan he, but... he was able to find like it talked about last night dennis rodman what was it southern oklahoma state so, yeah. like some, southeastern oklahoma state southeastern yeah um he was able to find these players but Again, you could do all that, but then that that actually helps though, because he he's the one who found these players. Why would he want to get rid of them? These are like his gems in his team. Why would he ever want them to leave? He, he should take the he should have really been proud that he was able to find this talent and want to ride them out for as long as they possibly can. But instead, he made the inexcusable decision to just break get get rid of them, break them up. Yeah, that's an underrated part that he should have been taking credit for something amazing that he did. But I feel like he was so annoyed that Michael Jordan was getting credit for making a team work that he just couldn't – his ego was too big for the job. Maybe he, he, he thought he put this team together, he can break it up. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I thought he was – you never – when you're talking about Michael Jordan and the Bulls, before this, Jerry Krause – I knew who Jerry Krause was. I just knew the name. But no one ever mentions him. He is probably mm-hmm. he has to be one of the biggest parts of this whole dynasty. This, as this a entire storyline, I feel like, has not been talked about enough. Yeah, like, I, I wish I would have. I, un- I knew I knew the Bulls broke up, but I didn't know like it was this extreme, and I never under knew why. Like I always had that in my mind, like why did this team end? I always thought it was just because Michael retired, 
and every and everything else was a ripple effect. But no, Michael retired because he didn't want to go back. And then where else would he go? And yeah. he retired once. He wasn't afraid to do it again. That's true. That's true. And it, also, I was I was researching a, a few um, last night during the the doc. The Bulls, they really they could have kept going. It wasn't like the team was so old or they couldn't compete anymore. They had just won a championship, obviously. And think about this. The next year, it was a lockout year, the 98-99 season. The New York Knicks, the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, they made it to the finals. So if, you're, if Jerry Krause is going to tell us that he doesn't think that Bulls team could have made it to the finals or the eighth seed in the Knicks, led by Patrick Ewing, as they're really they're the only star player on that team when the Bulls had three, that's crazy. Yeah, it is. That's a that's out beyond me. I don't even know how you can say that. The East lost five straight finals after the Bulls won in '98. Five straight. Five straight. Yeah. Not there was really no powerhouse team either. It was always a new team after new. It was the Knicks, then it was the Pacers, then it was the 76ers, then it was the Nets for two years. It, I mean, I'm not saying the Bulls would have gone that long. Obviously, that's that's a bit extreme. But there was no power, really real powerhouse who overtook the Bulls. Like the Bulls overtook the, the powerhouse Pistons. It wasn't yeah. like that. It was just the Bulls left, and all these teams were left to scramble. And it was each and new, every year in the East, it was a new team in the finals. Unlike what we see now, where it's the Cavs or it's the it's going to be the the Bucks. Lakers in the West, or now it's going to be the Bucks in the East. Yeah, it was really just there was no team. And the Bulls could have been that team for a few more years, but Jerry Krause just decided against it. He was so attached to getting credit that he was just willing to break everything up, which I don't understand how you can still do. The fact the East was – to put this in perspective, his Bulls that he assembled were so dominant, like as you just said, that as soon as he left, there was no team – every team had a chance then, mm-hmm. which I feel like is an underrated part, like the Knicks, the 76ers, the Pacers. Like As soon as Michael Jordan was gone, a team that Jerry Krause put together – every other team was able to excel that much more, which I can't even show how dom- – which I think doesn't show as much about those teams. just shows how dominant his balls exactly, were. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And it's really a shame that we got cut yeah. off of Michael Jordan's prime, really, because yeah. he could have had a few more really good years. He literally came back and played in 2002 with the Washington Wizards, and as a 40-year-old, even dropped like 40, 40 – I think it was 50 points even one game. Like, he could still play. And obviously, yeah. so could Rodman and so could Pippen. I just, I just, it's awful. It's kind of like magic. That was totally different circumstances, but we got cut up, cut out of his prime because of he was diagnosed with AIDS. With Michael, it was Jerry Krause diagnosing Michael with "You can't come back" because Phil's not coming back. Yeah, and one thing that's interesting about this documentary is every not only does everything connect back to Michael Jordan, I feel like it's almost like a Jerry Krause story. Like mm-hmm. every moment Definitely. is connecting back to him, which is just. It's so fascinating to me that he can be such a big part of one of the biggest documentaries of all time. But outside of this, his name is never mentioned ever. Mm-hmm. I think it just shows how big GMs were back then. Like yeah. they just how significant they were. But another thing that's been a big part of the doc is we're us we're not a big part, but last night especially, episode four was the Pistons and that rivalry between MJ and the Bulls and how they overtook the Pistons, like we said before. Like what what are your thoughts, especially about the Pistons not shaking the the Bulls' hands after the 1991 Eastern Conference Finals? Well, in my opinion, I think it just shows how different the NBA is then to now because the Pistons were so pissed off that they just lost the Bulls. They were beating forever. They're not going to shake their hands. They were embarrassed, which I feel like a lot of players in the league don't have now. They're not really embarrassed as much as they lose because they just lost their friends. Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan were not friends in any way, shape, or form. 
one thing that struck me the most was when they asked Michael Jordan about Isaiah Thompson not shaking hands and his face just went sour. You could tell there was still a level of disgust from Isaiah Thomas and the, and the bad boy Pistons that like, they're not going to get over it. Like that was like blood and war out there. That was not just a basketball game. I do understand your point there, but I, th- I just think that especially because Michael Jordan and the Bulls, they had lost to the Pistons two short years prior to that. And they, again, shook, Michael shook their hands. The entire Bulls team shook their hands, accepted the loss. And instead of just being pissed about it, they were pissed, but instead of just being embarrassed and going home and never trying again, again, as we saw last night, they, instead of going home, they actually started working out together, the entire team, the next day. And they were willing to do that to get better. But, and, but they still had respect for that Pistons team, even though they hated them so much. And I just don't I, – I understand that it was a different game back then. Isaiah Thomas said the circumstances at the time was different. But I do have – I just have a, have a hard time respecting that Pistons team if they're just so mad. You got swept. Like, you can be pissed about that and take that loss but still have respect for the other team and congratulate them on their win. I see what you're saying, but I just feel like for Isaiah Thomas and uh, Chuck Daly and all the other guys, George Beer, they were so used to winning that it was a sign of disrespect to them when they lost, they felt like. So I can see why they wouldn't shake their hands. And they, them, they're the ones who lost the game, though. So I know, but they just felt as a sign. Of, they were disrespected with, by themselves, and they had no – I do wish I do wish in today's game not everyone were, wasn't great friends and, like, everyone just, like, totally hugging it out after the game, taking pictures and stuff, jersey swapping. But, I mean, a certain level of sportsmanship, I think, is necessary. And the, to me, the Pistons – lacked that in that game that's a fair point talking about another deal with the pistons everyone knows that isaiah thomas and michael jordan are two infamous rivals like they don't like each other still to this day and like the the rivalry between the pistons the bad boys and the bulls was even bigger than you might they hated each other dennis rodman hated michael jordan before he went to the bulls and he uh, isaiah jordan and b are the jordan rules like they were willing to almost kill him for no if they were not losing that game, they saw him. They, they, I remember Isaiah Thomas had a line where I'm going to show you what Chicago basketball is. Like he took it so personally stopping Michael Jordan, which to me is just like such an, like you're told that the Pistons didn't like the bulls, but in this documentary, they really show how much dislike distrust and like disgrace they were to them, which was interesting. Yeah, I mean, the Bulls, I mean, the Pistons, they obviously had such an aggressive style of play. And they talked about the Jordan rule about how, like, MJ was able, like, he was contained during those two, um, during that Eastern Conference Finals in 1990 and why the Bulls weren't able to win. And I just, what caught my eye was, like, everyone's, I guess, will, a lot of people will say how they wish, oh, today's league was more aggressive or how, how, how they wish there was more of a physical style of play. To me, what the what the Pistons did, that wasn't even basketball. They were just, like, hitting him and, like, slapping him. They were, like, winding up their arms and hitting him full force. And to me, I guess, yeah, I, I, want, I like physical basketball too, but to me, that's just not basketball. It's not basketball, but it's so – I it's think just, it's – Yeah, I just think it's a little – They bowl, the Pistons – I understood why the bad boy Pistons, because how could you like them at the time? That wasn't necessary – I mean, it was necessary – I guess it was necessary to contain Michael because he wasn't human but I just, I just don't like the way that they did that. I, I agree with you on that. I just feel – I agree with you 100% actually. I just like how – I mean, I didn't necessarily like it. I just find it so interesting how much they didn't like him, that they were willing to – Yeah, I, do, I, give him I, I, do, I do get that because I wish to, in today's game, there were, like rivalries were more of a thing. 
Yeah. Like you could tell back the Lakers and the Celtics back then in the 80s, like it's not really like a huge thing anymore, I would say. And the Pistons and the Bulls, I mean, both the Pistons and the Bulls suck now. So, I mean, there's no rival, real – what's the real rivalry of today's game? I guess it was the Cavs and the Warriors for a bit. but like Maybe the so, Lakers-Clippers, but not even that. No, they haven't had too much – like this is their first year, I would say. So, maybe in a few years if they keep keep this up. But with that Cavs-Warriors, I would say, it was so one-sided with the Warriors. Like, it was hard – was it even a rivalry? Like, nah. it was – it was yeah, like that Bulls Pistons, like it was back and forth. It wasn't just the it was more the Bulls later, but that, that Pistons team fell off completely. But for a few years there, for that three or four years, it was really back and forth. And that's what a true rivalry rivalry yeah, it, is. When two teams are able to compete with each other and win on any given night. That's true, that's true. And I think that the Pistons are have to be talked about as one of the greatest teams of all time. Like, look at all those players that they had. Bill Lindbe- uh, George Lindbeer, Isaiah Thomas, Chuck Daly, one of the greatest coaches. Like, they had a real culture in basketball that no one's talked about. When you talk about the bad boy Pistons, you just talk about the Jordan rules, them like, like when Jordan. But they were really a phenomenal basketball team. They swept the Lakers in the championship. Mm-hmm. No one ever talks about that. Like, those Lakers teams were outstanding back then. Yeah, they – that Pistons team, they really had a chip on their shoulder, like you're saying. Yeah. Like, they, they didn't care. They knew Michael Jordan was the NBA's golden child. They didn't care. They wanted they wanted to destroy that. They wanted yeah. it to be their own thing. And they were able to accomplish that. They won back-to-back championships. So, yeah. I re- it, it is crazy to me how – yeah, I, players no. nowadays talk about how it's good for the league. Like Isaiah Thomas even – or not even Isaiah Thomas. might have been another player. But he literally said that – it was good for the NBA if Jordan won, and we didn't like that. So they didn't. They cared. It was such like an individual style where it's like just a close circle that it's not going to happen in the NBA nowadays. But I just find it really interesting how it's changed so much. Yeah, their true hatred for the Bulls and the Bulls' true hatred for the Pistons will it's, never be rematched with any teams in today's game. No, but I feel like they had such a level of self-pride, and you could almost call it selfishness. But they were just so proud of themselves, which is a, which I feel like would be very hard to come by. What surprised me was, again, as they said, in like how the Pistons really, the, the Jordan rule, how they really hacked Jordan and how Jordan was the NBA's golden child. I'm surprised the refs didn't like try to protect MJ like more at all. Like, what if he got hurt? The NBA would be screwed then. Like, that just surprised me. Like, that, that never came to the league's mind to try to protect Jordan even a little bit more. I don't know. Yeah. Just that just surprised me. That's a good thought. I never thought about that actually. Like to like I don't know. Like what if MJ he had the foot injury a few years back? What if he got hurt again? Like and he never was able to come back to full form. That's a, that's a, it's a really a scary thought. And good thing good thing the Pistons didn't do that because everyone hate them even more. Yeah, we'd be robbed. We wouldn't be having this conversation. Yep, exactly. That that is very true. But I guess going off of the Pistons, going off of Jerry Krause. We, there was a whole episode, episode four was really all about Phil Jackson and how yeah. he adapt. He was able to bring in this, well, he didn't, I forgot Tex was the first name of the, the man, but Phil Jackson adopted the triangle offense from a different Bulls assistant coach. And when he became the head coach, was able to implement that into the Bulls offense. And it really struck me how, how, how much guts that took for Phil Jackson to really present that to Michael Jordan, the greatest player of, of that time the game had really ever seen. He, he just he brought it to Michael Jordan. He was like, this is how we're going to win championships. And that, took, that takes guts. How, like, I can't see any coach doing that in today's game, no. just telling LeBron, this, no, you're not playing this way anymore. You're playing this way. 
But, I mean, uh, yeah, it's really even, that's crazy. Even Michael Jordan said I didn't like Phil Jackson at first. He was not mm-hmm. a fan because Doug Collins. He even said his line was, "Doug Collins was putting the hands in my ball. Phil Jackson was taking the ha- taking the ball out of my hands." Like he was not ha- he was not having any of this. But it shows the level of I don't know IQ that Michael Jordan was able to pick up on so quickly that Phil Jackson, if he listened to him, was able to become Michael Jordan. Because if, say, if Michael Jordan was just selfish and didn't take in the triangle, then the Bulls dynasty would have been, there would be no dynasty. Exactly. It shows, really shows Michael's competitiveness and how he yeah. understood if he didn't want to just be the guy known as the, the guy with the scoring championships and he wanted to be the, or scoring titles, excuse me, and he wanted to be the guy known as the guy who won championships, he had to adapt to this triangle offense, even if he wasn't going to have the most points every night or score as many as he used to. Like Michael understood that. And that just really shows, how, yeah, exactly, his IQ. And it shows how Phil was able to understand, like, playing how Doug Collins plays you guys isn't going to work anymore. This is why we're losing to the Pistons. This is why we can't get over the hump. We need to play as a team. There were other guys on the team, like John Paxton, like Scottie Pippen, like Horace Grant, who can play, and they need to help you, Michael. But you can still be the star. Yeah, that's a good point. Another thing was underrated about this that they had just gone to the Eastern Conference Finals, the Chicago Bulls, and they were willing to fire their head coach. Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah. That's not going to happen in today's that's NBA. A, that's, well, it kind of sounds like a David mm. Blatt situation. That's what it reminded me of. when he got, yeah, they LeBron, actually, yeah, that was all LeBron, but they made the finals and Blatt got fired, which I remember at the sure. time, like, how do you fire a, a final coach? coach. Who, yeah, crazy. But I guess it can happen because yeah, it can happen. no problem. But that team, I think that Cavs team, they would have won anyway. This yeah. didn't, really, didn't really matter. Who's the who's co- we know we know LeBron is the coach, but um, yeah, that Phil doing that like would any coach today even do that? I don't no. think so. Coaches today, I feel like I'm not, I'm not blaming them, but are just so focused on like no drama, just keeping their job. They're not going to take that chance to like disrupt their star or bench them or put the put a new like system of offense in. Like they just want to everything to be calm, everything to be stable, and to win games. That's true. That's true. The closest thing you can say to that now, I wouldn't even call it that though, because because would be Steve Kerr establishing a new system with the Warriors, because mm-hmm. he basically threw out all of Mark Jackson's stuff that worked, and exactly, Steph yeah. Curry wasn't as established then though. So I wouldn't. Yeah, even call you, it you, you could say that though, because the war- the Warriors were successful with Mark Jackson. Steve Kerr came in, and it's funny because Steve Kerr is the guy who was part of this Jordan era, and so yeah. he obviously he started. Yeah, Steve Kerr obviously has an eye for understanding change is sometimes necessary. And you saw that with the Warriors and what potential they had. They weren't just they just weren't living up to the potential of yeah. he put Steve, of yeah. That's interesting. I never thought about it. Steve Kerr saw what you can do with change, like you just said. Like he saw how you threw out the old system, brought in a mm-hmm. new system, and it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, but it's interesting though, is because at the time Steph Curry was not as established in the league then. So I yeah. guess you wouldn't call it at the same level, but like that could have was. been a, that could have been a huge backfire for Kerr. Also, yeah. though, like if that didn't work, he's out in two years. Easily. Like he came in his first head coaching job ever, and he's willing to take this chance. That that's guts right there. He was able to really do um in, like help that Warriors team grow in a way that no one expected them to. Yeah, like really cool. Some people might say that you can't put Steve Kerr and Phil Jackson the same level of coach. And obviously, I guess you can't yet, but I think Steve Kerr has one of the best minds in basketball that's similar to Phil Jackson, mm-hmm. which, isn't cra- which in my opinion isn't crazy to say because they're both able to see what's wrong and fix it immediately. And yeah. they always win when they have talent. 
Yeah, I love how Steve Kerr was also just up. He's a part of the the doc, and he's always flashing his Warriors shirt just to remind people that yeah, he was part of that Bulls team, but he's also doing some stuff present day, which I yeah. really appreciate that about Steve Kerr. But yeah, I think that it really shows like we've talked about the different changes about how coaches would react in today's game. GMs aren't as important or aren't necessarily as important. Just the competitiveness rivalries. Like it just shows how much the game has changed. The physical play too. Like it's a lot. If you, even though that was only like thirty years ago, so much has changed. Yeah, completely different sports. Some say. Yeah, well, obviously the three is huge. Like there oh, yeah, three ball. You could see during the Cliffs they show like people are like. John Paxton was. All yeah, they're threes. they're passing up wide open threes, but then you got the guys like Paxton who was seemed like he was really clutch during that time and really helped Jordan, which is why the Bulls were able to become that championship team because MJ was willing to let people like play and yeah. not just him. But yeah, that, that, that is true that MJ really uh, like just blossomed and just allowed other people to help him finally, which really, which I really appreciate for, with that. Yeah. Any final, I, any final thoughts on the, um, on the doc so far? I'm just, I mean, I'm just enjoying it to be honest. I, don't, I think we pretty Me much too. said everything that we could say. And really, I think next week. I'm wondering when are they going to show more of like the ad, like the doc. It was advertised like or marketed uh, with about the 1998 season, like that, and how the cameras were behind the scenes there. I'm wondering when we're going to see more of that because I would want to, and I think we are going to. I'll be the later right. ones. I don't think we'll see it much in five and six. Yeah, because right now I think they're just getting the backstory and like getting all that, and I but I just really can't wait to see that that footage that it's been it's kind of talked about like it's sacred, like no yeah. like no one's seen it, like and there's just a crazy stuff happened so I really can't wait to see that footage and what new stuff we could, like even huge NBA fans like us don't even know or even people back then had no idea about. Yeah, just that footage I'm really excited about. Same here. I hope it's – I don't think it'll be five and six, but I seven and eight for sure. I heard also so, Kobe makes an appearance in the next episode, which I'm sure will be hard for a lot of people. He does? Yeah, Kobe. I did not hear that. Wow. Yeah, it was in, I, I think it was in the trailer. I heard ESPN is making – or bought the rights to a Kobe documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they, they filmed his last season, which I that see. kind of like was interesting because like, I don't know, what, what could have happened during that last season yeah. besides, the last, besides the last game? You know, yeah, like just but, a bunch of dumb stuff. That's a bunch irrelevant. of fare, farewell tours. Yeah, which I don't know. That definitely not the same level as this. No, nah, definitely not. They also, um, this like the same type of doc documentary was also proposed to like the Warriors in 2016, and they declined. Oh really? I did not hear that. Yeah, so the the Warriors they just didn't they didn't want it. I can is, see that though, because the Bulls were six championships. The Warriors have only won two or three. But it's not, yeah, I guess. But it's not like the Warriors at that time knew of this, this yeah, footage. Yeah. So, I mean, I just – I wonder why they said no. I guess they didn't want that extra – Attention. Like, I think they were really yeah, they focused just, on winning. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, they didn't have the mental strength that, 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 both, <laughs> that those both teams had, I guess. I'm just kidding. But, yeah, it's, it's certainly interesting that they didn't, they didn't say yes to that. But, yeah, yeah so uh, those are our thoughts on the, the last stand so far. We'll certainly – be back with more, more of our thoughts of the later episodes because I'm, I'm sure they'll only get better and even more interesting. But right now we're actually going to dive into some of our quick, quick thoughts on the NFL draft, which was this past Thursday. And a lot of stuff happened. There were, I would say, 
three major quarterbacks were taken, Joe Burrow, Tua, and Justin Herbert. And not necessarily saying that I think Tua is the best, but I, I kind of do, honestly. I think he would have gone probably one if he didn't get hurt. And I just really like him on the Dolphins. How the, what are your thoughts, CP? I think NFL Tua draft? going to the uh, – the whole NFL draft was great. I thought they did an amazing job producing it and everything, mm-hmm. and it was cool. It almost felt like they were there but weren't there. The only That's difference true, is just yeah. there was no player walking up. Like the commentators felt on page and everything. I liked how they had um, the cameras in the coaches' houses. You see them with their kids and everything. Uh, yeah, before, I loved looking at the uh, – were great, you know? Yeah. Sorry, you, just, like, you cut out a little bit there. So, what you say? You think you cut out? Yeah, you're cutting out a little bit. My bad. Okay. I was just Sorry. saying how I loved, like, just looking at – Looking at the houses and the different houses, but on Cliff Kingsbury, just, that that was and, a big uh, thing. That was a big th- thing check. on Twitter. Just exactly, yeah. That was an extra. That's like what replaced walking up and shaking hands with Goodell. Yeah, that's that's what replaced that. But yeah, I think they did a good job, pretty much, uh, especially with the difficult circumstances. With yeah. just like they did it on Zoom, I guess it was really really impressive. I don't know. I don't know how they were. There were really no glitches, which is really impressive. A lot of people were hoping for some meltdowns technological <laughs> breakdowns but i mean i kind of maybe i was kind of interested in that but everything really worked out there were no hiccups which yeah. was great but talk about Tua. i thought Tua going the dolphins is the perfect fit because the dolphins have the best coach and out of the teams are looking for a quarterback um i colin coward one of our favorite broadcasters always talks about how they're building a culture even though they're losing i don't think they're a poorly run organization i think they'll give Tua time which is something i don't think the Bengals could do well with or I don't think the Chargers would do well with. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that he's – I think, too, is really going to blossom into a star quarterback. I really – it's kind of crazy how the Dolph- – there was this whole thing tank for Tua with the Dolphins last season, and then they started actually winning games, which is really weird. And then everyone, like, everyone was mad that they probably wouldn't get Tua now. But, and, but they used to get the fifth pick, and, and they actually get Tua. So I guess it, tank for Tua was a success, even though they were able to compete with Brian Flores as their coach, as you said. They were able to actually succeed and show that they had the talent to win games, and they still got their franchise quarterback, which I thought yeah. was great. And I, to be honest, I'm not, I don't think Joe Burrow is going to be good at all at the Bengals. I think the Bengals really? are a p- poorly run organization with an awful coach, an awful owner, and I don't think that they're – uh, Joe Burrow to me, like, I don't think he'll be a bad quarterback, but – He's, I feel like he's going to be like a, a Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston level, never able to get over that hump of um, being a real star quarterback in the league. Like they're going to have some great blossoms. Like Jameis Winston led the league in passing yards this year, but he also led it in interceptions. Like it would not that was, be – That was extreme. Yeah, I don't know how – I mean, 5,000-something yards and 30 interceptions is pretty remarkable in another way. But I could see Joe Burrow just being like that. I'm, I'm hoping he does well, but I feel like LSU just had – everything going for him and I don't know his arm isn't his arm is good not great but in the Bengals oh no the the division they play in is so hard too like the Steelers the Browns uh, I I do think it'll be tough for Joe Burrow because again in college he really had that one great year but before that he didn't play much and then with I don't know I think I think you're being a little too harsh here Zach like Zach Taylor, awful coach. I mean, I'm not saying he's a great coach, but like I, I, I'm not really sure. But I think he he has the potential to maybe get something out of Joe Burrow. But yeah, they haven't been the best organization as of late. 
But I do think they, they did have success with Andy Dalton, who was never very good. But they were able to get some good winning seasons out of him. But with, with Joe Burrow, I, I mean... Like, I, I, I hope he does good. It's going to be hard. It's definitely going to be hard. It's probably not... I definitely would have rather seen him go... It, maybe not rather seen him, but I think it would have been a better situation, obviously, with the Dolphins. Because he would have... Yeah. Would have they would have really taken care of him and just way easier division with Tom Brady gone, but yeah, I mean with the Bengals it's probably going to be rocky maybe the first year second year but I'm hoping he he get he will start to pick it up maybe year three. I got to be hope, patient. I hope he does. I really like Joe Burrow, but I don't know. I can't. He's not going to be a bust in the NFL by any chance, uh, standard. I just I just think two has a higher ceiling. Like the athleticism is there. He can. He's really a better arm him. than him. Yeah, uh, he led Alabama to a championship after not playing at all that year. Everyone mm-hmm. forgets he came in at halftime. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts kind of like fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just I yeah. I mean, Joe Burrow. I just I just think that it he was fun to watch Bengals. last year. They're not they're not a very talented team, so I think it not really any great receivers. You got AJ Green. They drafted a few guys, but I don't know. It's, it hasn't been very stable. So I I just I I'm not. It's I'm certainly questionable, but I'm definitely more hopeful than you. Okay. <laughs> on his success. But then also another huge story, which everyone – this is blowing up everywhere, was how the Packers drafted Jordan Love and while they still have Aaron Rodgers. To me, it is – that is just – that is almost to the level of, like, Jerry Krause breaking up that Bulls team. Not at that level. Not even close, really, actually. But it's, it's bad because the Packers, they were just in the NFC Championship last year. They, yeah. they were competing for – Super Bowl. They were close to it. They were close to making it. And now they're drafting Aaron Rodgers' replacement. Makes no sense to me. Well, I have two theories concerning this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So the first theory is that the Packers are completely seeing something that we don't with Aaron Rodgers, and he won't play off this contract. And they'll be good, but not great for however many time. They'll make the playoffs and everything. And then after that, they're just going to release him, like they did with Brett Favre. And then they really see something in Jordan Love. But then the other part of me is like, Aaron Rodgers is still pretty much – he could be an all-pro quarterback level next year easily. He could lead the league in passing yards and touchdowns, no, no problem. And then he could – the Packers may even – the Packers have a defense to win a Super Bowl. So they're still an amazing team, which I don't get how they trade they – they traded up to draft him. I know. And then teams – of teams that were not going to draft him. No one thought the Patriots were going to draft Jordan Love. And that was the only yeah. team I could maybe see. But Jordan Love – he was. I did some research after him about the draft. He was projected to be like a second, third round quarterback. And you pick mm-hmm. with your first round pick. Like first round picks are so valuable in football. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like you build your team to the draft. Like exactly. They Packers. They don't have a first round pick. Really, they don't because this guy isn't going to play for the next few years. So they didn't have a first round pick this year. That's pretty much what it is. Which is why it really struck me about how how can they just waste their first round pick on this guy? And like I don't think I think it's safe. I don't think Jordan Love is going to be able to, like, follow in Aaron Rodgers' footsteps. Like, there's always going to be more quarterbacks in following drafts. Like, there, there's going to be more Jordan Loves, even better than him, or what he will be. Like, you, there are other opportunities. And while you have a team that's able to compete for a championship, I just feel like the Packers, they could have used it on a defensive player or a wide receiver. Or traded the pick, maybe, and get exactly. some more picks. But I don't understand that. You because, honestly think if you were looking for Aaron Rodgers' replacement – which I don't think you should be looking for right now. You could have honestly just gotten an undrafted player. You could have gotten Jake Fromm for all we know, or yeah, just, or not wait, not use a first round pick on him, or yeah. just wait till 
in two or three years when Aaron's done and you have one bad year and then you'll have like the top a top five pick. Yeah. You don't need the replacement now. And for Jordan, how beneficial is it even going to be for Jordan Love to sit on the bench for three years and watch Aaron Rodgers, who doesn't even want him here? How beneficial is that going to be? Yeah. It's not going to do any. I, I don't understand the Packers' motive. Yeah. Like with, I mean, Aaron Rodgers obviously sat behind Brett Favre, but Brett Favre, I think he was closer to his, the end of his career. Much closer to his. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers was also considered one of the best prospects. Yeah. So. It's just – it's Jordan Love. He was the fourth-best quarterback in this class, and you're taking him with your with your first-round pick when you could have drafted someone else, like, and you're t- still competing for a championship. Like the pass would say, he was the fourth-best quarterback, but the gap between the first three to the fourth is huge. He could exactly. easily have gone the third or fourth round, and no one would have said anything. I'm Aaron Rodgers. I'm completely pissed right oh, now. Oh, I'm so pissed I'm, also. He's probably blindsided. Like, there's no way he knew that they were going to pick him. Pick Jordan Love, pick a quarterback or Jordan Love. There's yeah, they, there's no way he knew that. There's such like a gap of like communication between the Packers and uh, it's always yeah. The Packers are always seem to be like you got Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers miscommunication there now with the the, the new head coach Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. It's just interesting situation, and I don't know. Do you think Aaron Rodgers could potentially want out sooner or later? Could we be seeing a Tom Brady? Tampa Bay Buccaneers situation in Green Bay? I wouldn't be surprised, but I would, my gut would say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. But, we again, no one ever thought Brady would leave. So yeah, who, no one ever thought Brady would leave. <laughs> who, who knows with Aaron Rodgers? Because if I were him, I'm not happy at all. No, no, I don't, no, no. don't want to have the burden to mentor another quarterback. When say I'm Aaron Rodgers has, like, a collarbone injury, which he's had repeatedly. And Jordan Love goes in there. Like, that's just – and say he somehow plays well. Like, do you know how, like, pissed off I would be if I was him? Yeah, well, we it's, not be, like a, it's not like a Teddy Bridgewater situation where it's like Drew Brees, where he was just playing for a contract. Like, that Jordan, actually happened with Tony Romo and um, Dak Prescott. That's like, true. And Tony uh, Romo. And Colin Rokies. Kaepernick and Alex Smith. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, again, it's this is Aaron Rodgers we're talking about. This is not Tony Romo or – or Alex Smith, this is what, what the Packers are missing here. Like, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league today. So, I don't know. It's just, they whiffed. I think it's a whole different situation. But, yeah, they, they definitely did whiff on that, on that pick. And Jordan Love, he also, in his senior year, he threw for 20 touchdowns and 17 inter- interceptions. That was down from his, 20, from his junior season, where he threw for 32 touchdowns and six interceptions. <laughs> I don't like decline in play. I like improvement. I don't know. I mean, it, it, this is yeah, not just that's me based, here. I think that's basic formula. Yeah, Packers, I don't understand. I know, I know people are going to say, like, I think his offensive coordinator left, changed or something. He lost receivers to graduation. But still. But like, if you're college level, he, he wasn't playing at Alabama either. Exactly. So. If you're, his interceptions increased by 11. Like, that, that doesn't happen if, if your receivers he, graduate. I'm sorry. He, what's, he was playing at Utah State, correct? Um, I think so. You so he wasn't even playing at a power five school and your number and your interception goes up by eleven. That's inexcusable. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I it's it's really fr- frustrating definitely for Packers fans, yeah. NFL fans, definitely on Rogers. But um yeah, that's pretty much our quick thoughts on the draft. The, the NFL draft. We just this is what casual fans like about the NFL think these are the major storylines and yeah, we'll be back talking more about the, the NBA, any NBA news, the last dance, as you're about yeah. to say. 
and yeah, we just hope for more sports news. We'll ho- we hope sports are going to be back soon. Maybe some with no, Yeah, with no fans, unfortunately, but they'll be back, I think, soon, which will be yeah. great to see who will be the NBA champions. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening, guys. Thank you, Jack. Signing yep, off. It's been great.